Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to Viewpoints for the first time David D. Cavallio, who is the CEO for ACARA, Australian Curriculum and Assessment and Reporting Authority. Very recently, David had a piece, a feature piece in the Weekend Australian Inquirer that the title was We Don't Need No Education, Schooling in the Age of AI. And it was uh, profoundly interesting, in some ways disturbing, but mainly very thought-provoking piece. And uh, I've have had the good fortune of chatting with David, who's kindly giving up some of his time to talk with us about that and other things. So welcome, David, to uh, Viewpoints. Thank you very much for having me, Henry. My pleasure. Now, David, uh, before we go into that, for those people who are not familiar with you, um, you've had an illustrious career in New South Wales education, a whole lot of other areas. Um, what took you to um, ACARA? Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it illustrious, Henry, but uh, <laughs> yeah, certainly industrious. It was, uh, it's was. it been a, a very busy and exciting time to be involved in education. Uh, I've been at ACARA now as the CEO for a little over four years. Um, prior to that, uh, for a period of two years, I was the Chief Executive of the New South Wales Education Standards Authority, uh, or as NESA, as it is known uh, in uh, uh, to its friends and enemies. Uh, NESA, <laughs> uh, NESA is, um, there's no qu- equivalent body quite like that in, in Victoria, for example, um, because NESA uh, not only runs uh, the high school certificate, which is something that the Victorian Curriculum and Assessment Authority does, but it, it also it also uh, accredits um, all the teachers, uh, which is something that the Victorian Institute of Teachers does, uh, and it also and it also registers all the schools, um, which is uh, something that the uh, the qualifications and uh, uh, agency does. So we uh, the NESA agency did all those. So it was quite a uh, an interesting and, and busy job, um, and uh, I was doing it uh, while I was doing that. I was also on the board of ACARA, so I saw ACARA uh, up close and personal, if you like, before I uh, had the opportunity to apply for the CEO as well. Mm. Now, um, you took it on four years ago. A lot of people have taken on positions in the last three or four years, and then COVID has hit. It must mm. have had an impact on the work you do and, and your team as well. It's done that to everyone else, David. What's been that uh, that impact? And as we come out this side of COVID uh, in terms of mm. um, ACARA? Well, I think um, the two most obvious uh, impacts on ACARA was uh, the cancellation of NAPLAN in 2020. Uh, That was going to be a significant year for NAPLAN because uh, 2019 um, had also been an an important year. It was um, about 50% of students had undertaken NAPLAN in that year, but you might recall there were some technical issues around yes. 10%. Around 10% of students experienced some disruptions during the writing test, uh, and uh, everybody was looking to the 2020 event um, uh, to see if uh, we'd managed to address those issues. Uh, and so the fact that it was cancelled was um, uh, disappointing on a couple of fronts. Firstly, mm. we we missed out on um, some important data. There's a yeah. hole in the data. Uh, but also, uh, we were very confident that um, that would um, uh, that the problems had been addressed. So we had to wait another year, essentially, uh, before we were able to demonstrate that the the program was was back on track. Uh, so that was uh, a, a, an important sort of impact. 
Um, the other one was that we were also in the middle of uh, the review of the Australian curriculum uh, at, the, at that time. <laughs> we, um, so we were just kicking off um, extensive period of engagement with uh, curriculum experts from around the country. Um, we had planned to have uh, a lot of face-to-face meetings. Uh, they were now all had to move online, um, which was both, um, uh, you know, uh, there are advantages and disadvantages. And now we've all got used to to uh, holding online meetings. Uh, but at the same time, now that um, we're on the hopefully on the other side of COVID, mostly. Uh, the reinstatement of face-to-face meetings, I think, has been mm. really welcomed by many people um, who have discovered the value of them. Um, so um, that's been a real interesting learning experience uh, for us uh, as, a, as a national organisation, as an organisation that really plays a key convening role, if you like, of, mm. of many stakeholders. Um uh, to 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 learn the lessons of how to manage those kinds of stakeholder engagements more effectively in an online setting. Mm. Now, while we're on that plan, um, the results surprised people after we came out of the lockdowns. It, it didn't appear to be mm. as bad. And, and I'll, I'll admit, uh, as a school principal, we were pleasantly surprised. Um, were you surprised? I think everybody was a bit surprised. Um, certainly, uh, I was. Um, particularly the results in New South Wales and Victoria, which were the two jurisdictions mm. that had experienced um, the lockdowns to the greatest extent. Um, but uh, as I said at the time when the results came out, uh, that uh, to me that was testimony to the hard work that um, not only teachers but also parents uh, had, put, <laughs> yes. had had put in. Um, and I do think it was an occasion where um, uh, parents really grew to understand the hard um, task that uh, teachers do have. I think many parents found, you know, trying to engage their their, their kids in, in, in schoolwork, you know, through remote learning, quite a difficult experience. And then reflecting on, well, this is what teach, teachers have to do with, you know, 25, 30 kids Mm. Every day, mm. I think it, it was an occasion for newfound respect for the teaching profession, which is a good outcome. Mm. Now, um, it's always remained a rather controversial and contested um, tool of evaluation, that plan. From your perspective, David, um, why, why do you see that as so? And is, is, it, is it justified? Look, I think uh, one of the issues with that plan is um, that uh, it's it's almost um, being asked to bear too much weight. Um, sometimes I use the term, it's a toothpick holding up an elephant. Um, <laughs> That's a good point. It's, uh, it, it's, um, it's essentially a tool that was originally designed like um, the, uh, the basic skills tests that preceded it in every jurisdiction. And I'm sorry, I don't know what the name of that was um, in Victoria, but... Um, uh, every jurisdiction prior to the introduction of NAPLAN had their own uh, basic skills tests around literacy and numeracy, um, uh, testing um, uh, students at various year levels to see how they were progressing uh, in terms of these fundamentally important skills. Um, and uh, they were uncontroversial. I think um, what happened, of course, with um, uh, the, the so-called education revolution, um, when there was a change of government at the federal level, and there was seen to be really important to focus on trying to get alignment uh, between mm. things like 
um, not only nationally uh, across different jurisdictions, but um, so with the introduction of the national curriculum, but also to have uh, a national assessment program go with that and a, uh, a beefed up um, reporting uh, capability uh, as well. And I think it's more um, what's caused probably the most angst amongst stakeholders um, uh, is uh, that aspect of the of the education revolution, uh, which was not present uh, in relation to the previous prior uh, uh, basic skills test, was the public reporting of the results at the school level through through the My School website, which was a which was an innovation which. Um, uh, Prime Minister, uh, well, she, at that stage she was Deputy Prime Minister uh, and Education Minister Julie Gillard yep. introduced at the time. Um, and that has been uh, uh, an important uh, development which has not only improved transparency and accountability um, and arguably um, uh, uh, engaged uh, schools and principals more actively in looking at um, their outcomes, but there there is also I think it, it, we we have to be fair to to acknowledge that it has brought some tensions, uh, particularly when you have some of the tabloid media <clears throat> creating mm. um, very um, unfair uh, league tables which take no account of the socio-educational um, makeup of the school community. Um, and uh, so those kinds of those kinds of reportage are, uh, are very unfortunate, and I think can contribute uh, to um, some of the controversy that um, uh, has a, has accompanied that plan. Mm, I couldn't agree with you more. While you were talking there, David, I racked my brain because I remember being on a review team at Melbourne University way back when we started here in Victoria, and the the and and the. The test you're referring to was called LAP Learning Assessment Plan. There it, you go. It started way back there, the LAP, and mm. it's, uh, let's move on to that plan. We need to take a short break. Can you hold the line, David? Sure. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grussick, in the middle of a discussion with David DiCavallio, who is the CEO for ACARA. Welcome back, David. Thank you, Henry. We had a look at ACARA and the role there, and we had a look at uh, NAP plan before the break and, and how your careers led you here. Um, you wrote this piece, which uh, we've spoken about off-air, and I, I was very, very impressed with it. And if nothing else, David, I'm sure I'm one of many people who this has given an enormous amount of food for thought. So, so thank you for that, and it's also mm. very relevant to our work. Mm. Now, yes, uh, tell us about it. Why did you write this piece? Because it's a worthy long piece and I know from my own writing, David, that when you write these sorts of things, there's got to be a bit of uh, emotion and passion in it as well as objectivity. Yes. Uh, well, I think what really, um, it was a bit of a wake-up call to me, Henry, when I started looking more closely at the, you know, the phenomenon uh, that took the world by that took the world by storm, if you like, uh, from no November last year with the um, OpenAI's release of the the ChatGPT tool, uh, and I, you know, got onto <coughs> the free version of it and started playing around with it and was just astounded at um, its capabilities uh, and 
really got thinking about, well, what is this going to mean for, for education? Uh, which is the obvious question to, to ask for someone <laughs> in, in, in my position. Absolutely. Uh, but, um, but the more I, the more I you know, looked into it and did my own sort of research, if, you know, fairly amateur kind of research into what was the, where was the history of artificial intelligence? And it you know, goes back almost 100 years, really, when you start thinking, looking into it about um, the development of computers. Um, if you've seen uh, that movie uh, about um, Alan Turing, uh, the imitation game, yes. uh, the role that he played in code busting uh, during, uh, during World War II, and his, uh, the so-called Turing test, mm. uh, which was... Um, uh, his method of uh, trying to assess uh, at what point do does uh, computing power and com- uh, the ability of computers um, uh, become really well both uh, worrying but also astounding is when uh, you're conversing with a computer but you can't tell that it's a computer <laughs> and and we've um, we've genuinely reached that point now with with ChatGPT. But more to the more to the point, um, what it, you know, it really called my attention to, which had <clears throat> which had been kind of under the radar for some time, is how much AI is already um, in yes. our in, in every aspect of our lives. Um, and for those of us who have uh, the ChatGPT has really been an uh, an opportunity to, to to focus greater attention on the significance of it. So I guess my piece was not so much about. Um, the, the usual or uh, understandable response of an educator to a new piece of technology is, well, well how do we harness this technology mm. to, to the existing schooling paradigm? Uh, I think those, that range of questions is not quite the right set of questions uh, because uh, artificial intelligence, particularly generative artificial intelligence such as ChatGPT, they are m- having a much more profound effect on society more broadly. Uh, not just in education, mm-hmm. and if if our role as educators is to help prepare uh, our children and young people for the world which that they are going to inherit uh, and and inhabit, then we need to have a deeper understanding of the the broader implications of artificial intelligence and how it is changing society, not just be thinking about, oh, how do we use this tool uh, in in the classroom, as important as those questions are. So I guess uh, my the piece was designed to exhort people to pay, take a bit of a step back, keep asking those questions about, well, how do we harness this in the classroom, but I encourage people um, to say, well, where is this going in, in the broader scheme of things uh, in terms of the way it's changing society and what's it going to mean um, for the workforce at large? Uh, the article mentions the fact that um, even uh, the the people who are the architects uh, of AI, uh, people like Jeffrey Hinton, who quit his mm. Google uh, Google mm. job um, precisely so that he could speak out and warn people of what he thought were the potential dangers of unregulated AI. Um, so these are the these are the inventors of the technology having, if you like, their own Frankenstein moment where they realise that um, they potentially created a monster, literally. Mm. And, and what does this mean for society? And, and um, how, how does this um, 
what does that mean for the way we think about education and the kinds of things that we do in for the curriculum for example uh, and so uh, for me it was an opportunity to highlight uh, that in the Australian curriculum not only do we have the very important learning areas the key disciplines but we also have uh, the um, the general capabilities, uh, of course, literacy and numeracy, which we were talking about um, uh, before the break, are very important. Mm. But we also have digital literacy, which is obviously going to become increasingly important going forward. Uh, and we have uh, 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 things like critical and creative thinking, which are going to be really important for our democratic society, de democratic citizenship, ethical understanding, um, uh, intercultural understanding and personal social personal and social capability. These are um, these are aspects uh, to the curriculum which have always been there and uh, need to just uh, be re-emphasised. I guess my um, what I was a little bit concerned about when I saw the very enthusiastic and um, <laughs> so somewhat surprising response. Um, in terms of the sheer magnitude of, uh, of, of people that were interested in commenting on it and reacting to mm. it. My, my concern was that um, some people um, uh, took my, um, I guess it's not really a warning, it's, um, it's pointing out almost the inevitable that AI is disrupting the current paradigm of education precisely because it's uh, disrupting society more broadly. Um, and that these kinds of general capabilities that we're talking about are going to be very important. So a lot of people just focused on that, okay. But equally, what I was at pains to point out um, was uh, that uh, you can't teach those general capabilities in a disciplinary vacuum. You actually, um, the best way and the most effective way of teaching them uh, is through the teaching of, of a learning area. Um, so that when you're teaching mathematics, that is, you need to think about, well, how do I incorporate into this lesson, for example, about graphs or percentages? Wh wh where is the teachable moment in terms of helping kids to reflect on critical and creative thinking or about uh, ethical understanding? Um, uh, and uh, getting people to think about uh, how do we bring those, uh, those capabilities to the fore in the teaching of the learning area. Mm. Um, I really do think um, that this technology is, is um, uh, it, it's, it's much more like uh, the invention of the printing press uh, than it is the invention of the calculator, for example, um, in terms of its far-reaching effect. Um, uh, the, the printing press uh, really turned uh, medieval society upside down yeah. uh, by uh, undermining the uh, the monopoly that the medieval church had on traditional knowledge, for example. Yeah. Um, it allowed the widespread dissemination of information as well as misinformation, yeah. uh, but, it, but it encouraged the spread of ideas, um, as does the internet, by the way. But yeah. um, it also, uh, just as the printing press did, um, uh, that on steroids now with the internet, um, uh, encourage misinformation. The thing with AI is the way it, it we are handing it a whole lot of data through things like Facebook and mm -hmm. Google, all the searches that we're doing. We are uh, the, all that data gets fed into these 
these algorithms on these uh, global network platforms. And uh, instead of um, encouraging greater um, debate and uh, common sense debate around important things, it's actually driving us more and more down into what you know the, the insiders refer to as the rabbit holes, where we just mm. we just have our own biases con con continually reinforced, um, and that is a problem for for democratic discussion and conversation. Uh, and we as educators really need to be thinking about how do we uh, alert our students to 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 this possibility, to the potential, and to the risks. Um, so that they can always be on the on the alert, if you like, about how they they are engaging with these new technologies as well. Mm. Uh, time's on the wing, David. But uh, a, a last question, and, and you alluded to it in the follow-up uh, articles uh, to to your piece. Uh, Matt Bowers from Macquarie University is quoting him: "AI is going to be embedded in every major learning platform. We've got to work mm. furiously to get ahead of it. This is the challenge of our age." Drawing it back now to Akara, you've made you've brought this out up front and centre, and it, it, it needs to be there. Uh, when you go back uh, as CEO of ACARA, mm. they'll obviously be looking at this because you can't ignore AI in no. ACARA. What's the next step for ACARA with all this? Well, I think if you look at the new Australian curriculum, uh, version 9, which was uh, approved about this time last year, a little over a year ago. Um, we have, um, in, you know, there are several mentions of uh, AI um, in the in the elaborations and the examples of issues that teachers can teach. Uh, but we do in that in the in the new curriculum uh, 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 teach a lot of the concepts that are really important for students to understand AI, particularly uh, in in mathematics. Uh, and in digital literacies uh, and uh, in digital design, all the building blocks of artificial intelligence are, are there, you know, statistics, computational thinking, etc. I think one of the things uh, where we're already working on it, we're working on a, um, a document that we call our curriculum connections document, where we're going to try and really help teachers to, uh, to call attention to those aspects of the curriculum uh, that focus on AI and help them uh, educate their students about AI. And that will be an opportunity for, for teachers also to um, introduce uh, some of those aspects that I was talking about before, about ethical thinking, uh, uh, intercultural thinking, personal social capability, critical thinking in teaching about AI. Um, so they're, they're, I think that's the main challenge for us is how to support teachers to teach mm. uh, the students about AI so that the students understand it's uh, the opportunities and the risks. Absolutely. And um, as always, we, we look with, uh, with confidence and assurance that, uh, that uh, the guidance you give us, as always, will be very, very... Um, what would be the right authentic and uh, relevant, David? And I'm not putting any more pressure on you, David. Time's yeah. got away from us. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you you on the Viewpoints podcast, and um, you've got an open invitation anytime. There's something that uh, we'd like to share with the broader educational community and the public. Um, we'd love to have you on. You you certainly bring a deep and uh, a thoughtful perspective to all things education. Thanks very much for having me, Henry. My pleasure. That was David Di Cavallio, who's the CEO of ACARA.